1015 FM, 720 AM. KDON, the talk of Las Vegas. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one professional wrestling radio show in Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. One full hour of wrestling news, entertainment, and lots of Sin City surprises from inside the squared circle. Now, let's bring on the tag team of Andrew Fish Fame. Joe DeFalco, and your host, Mark Hoke. Well, boys, got up this morning, hopped on my tractor, put the front end loader on there, and off I went to do the Mark Hoke show here on KDWN. Fish, are you excited? Coming out my boots. Yeah, there you go. Jeez, fish apparently. Nah, I know fish had fish had a rough weekend. It's all good. We are on the Mark Hoke Show here on KDWN one hundred one five FM seven twenty AM. The best in pro wrestling news and entertainment, taking the Las Vegas Valley by storm. By the way, Mister Andrew Fish Fane, yes, here. Joe DeFalco, future stars of wrestling on the line. Joe, how are you? He sounds Joe? better than ever. Oh, we got Joe. I'm, there I'm he is. awake. There I'm he awake. is. There he is. Okay, boys, come on. We got to pep this up. You know why? Today is the first year anniversary of the show. Is it really? Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations, us. How about that? So, boys, let's let's you know step it up a little bit. It's also it also marks the really the first date that the the Triple H Stephanie regime takes over because SummerSlam was kind of booked by Vince I think before he all left. So yeah, I think I think there was some un, a little bit of unbooking that might have been done last night, but of course uh, we are coming off WWE SummerSlam last night, a an interesting evening, I will say that I I overall enjoyed it, wasn't perfect. The matches were solid, but there was some. There were a few little Triple H changes that happened, and I guess we should catch up on that first before we get into SummerSlam, guys. Vince McMahon officially retires. Triple H is now in charge of creative, so that means he is the one that is booking all the matches, you know, proving all of, everything that goes on TV. So now well, he's, he's the supervisor of it. Pritchard is still the guy who's putting everything together, unfortunately. Well, Triple H, Triple H does have the veto power. So, but isn't it a kind of conflict of interest to have that and to be the the head of talent relations? No, that's what that's what a booker used to do. <laughs> that is what they used to do. I mean, but that, that's it's, that's what I am. Yeah, so it's it is a lot of responsibility in a massive company like that. I will I will grant you that. I don't know, you know, which I mean, honestly, I'd rather see I well, I think the I think the performers would probably rather see Triple H doing talent relations and, you know, find somebody like-minded like Paul to, Heyman to creative like maybe a Paul Heyman. But uh yeah. I'm, so I'm pretty sure he's got people close to the best that he uh entrusts that uh, can help put things together since he's got a lot to do. And if he puts a, 
if he puts the right team together, then I think it's fine because, you know, he was the guy responsible for bringing in a lot of great talent to NXT and turn that around. So, you know, I prefer him over what's already there unless Paul Heyman got involved, obviously. Well, what'll be interesting is what Triple H and Stephanie do with the NXT talent that comes up to the main roster versus what Vince did, which is basically bury all those NXT guys. And now we'll see what the new NXT crew that come up because last night, well, I'll let you go into what happened last night. Yeah, And just to finish the thought on Vince McMahon, uh, what it looks like finally forced Vince's hand was they found $14.6 million worth of expenses. Uh, apparently, Vince paid some more people off and didn't include it into their expenses and just paid it. But you can't do that with with a company with a publicly, tra- with a publicly traded company. And apparently, you've got to report that as an expense. HBO's Real Sports is uncovering a lot more too, apparently, and that's going to be coming out. I think this week. I think. 77 years old, he forgot. He has so much money in every different spot, he forgot all about it. Yeah. So they had to go. So they have to go back and revamp all of their figures for the past four years. Yeah, they they sent out the new earnings reports, I believe. The the Securities and Exchange Commission and some of the feds are digging in on this even harder now. So Vince is in trouble on this. Yeah. And just quitting does not get him out of being in trouble. No. And. And for and now and obviously he stepped aside. So now everybody's like, "Oh, what's going to happen at SummerSlam? You know, we'll, we'll you know what changes are going to get made." And obviously, Raw was already ready to go. But but the first thing that I saw was on SmackDown, where they let Drew McIntyre and Sheamus have a thirty minute match, where they actually got to beat each other up a little bit. That was kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So you know you you saw a little bit there, and then. The really last night, the first slapped events. Well, even before you, even before that, on Raw, they had Montez Ford bleeding. Yeah, I don't know if that was hard way or not, if that was intentional or not. I, I'm not just, sure, but they didn't cut away from it or shy away from it like they did under Vince. Yeah. So we go into SummerSlam last night, and Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch are having their championship match. Pretty, pretty it was a good, very solid pretty, match. Pretty solid match. And at the end of my my dear sweet bad bad Bailey comes out, so she's finally back. But this was the fun part: Dakota Kai. She brings out then bring out Dakota Kai, who had been fired by the company in April, a, yeah, a couple months ago. She's there, and then they bring out Io Shirai, who's now Io Sky. Change your name. I they weren't going to do that anymore. Easier to pronounce. Yeah. So, <laughs> so now they have a faction, but. Uh, Shirai had had been the NXT Women's Champion for qu- quite a long time, and, she hasn't and then been, disappeared. Yeah, she hasn't been seen since Takeover at WrestleMania weekend. She was ready to leave if she didn't get pushed up. Dakota Kai was gone. Vince didn't want her around anymore, and now all of a sudden, these two who had been bye bye Birdie are now hello Bailey. Yeah, they're Bailey's version of Toxic Attraction. So. <laughs> To me, that was the first shot that was fired across the bow to to Vince saying, you know what? You let some talented people go. You didn't use them right. I'm I'm going to do it. And it just makes me think about the conversations that may have taken place 
just between Triple H and Stephanie privately. You know, when the whole thing happened, the Triple H got pulled out of NXT and, you know, watched all the NXT talent that he put together just get shredded. And, man, I, you know, I just, I, I can only imagine what he was thinking and saying when all this happened, that he watched all those people that he worked so hard with just get pushed off. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it also makes you think, what of Johnny Gargano now, who's not been anywhere and not been seen since his contract expired? I th- I think Gargano will be back. And I think and- Tommaso Ciampa is, like, happier than anybody because he's like, I was going to get buried on the main roster with Vince, and now I may actually have a shot. Yeah. But, you know, the one guy, and obviously, you know, we'll see if this brings back Sasha Banks and Naomi, but I think the one person, and Joe is going to, probably jump through the roof when I say this. The 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 person that needs to get a phone call at this point is Killer Cross. The guy who dominated NXT, he and Scarlett were super hot when they were getting they made their call up and then Vince just wrecked Cross. Never even had Scarlett out there and all of a sudden he's released from the company. Joe, what are your thoughts on this whole situation with the NXT talent and, you know, Anything on Cross? Has he gotten a phone call? Uh, I don't know. Actually, he did an interview with uh, Paulie Culver, uh, who Paulie was our commissioner for a long time, and then he moved to uh, Cleveland, and he's doing a radio show out there. And he just did a 12-minute interview with Cross. And, you know, Cross reiterated, you know, how much he loved being there and how much of a great time he had, but, when he got to the main roster, there was a lot of disappointment. And when he got released at that point, it it was kind of a relief because, you know, again, when we talked about cross, he's probably the only wrestler that I'm aware of in professional wrestling who, when he walked through our doors and we started utilizing him on his journey to WWE, which was, you know, triple a and impact that he was that same character. And then in NXT, he was that same character. And, you know, for six, seven years, that is exactly who he was. And he had a time, you know, he was able to refine, you know, his version of the character when, you know, he ended up hooking up with Scarlett. And they became like the modern-day version of uh, Macho Man and, and Elizabeth. And then for some reason, when they got to the main roster, they, they didn't include Scarlett. And it was kind of mind-boggling. And I've had some conversations with about with him about it. And, you know, he's a company guy. He, he's one of those guys that, you know, regardless of what people say about WWE, and it's not a place you really want to go, you know, that was his dream from, you know, when he got involved in professional wrestling. Like, he felt that getting to the WWE, regardless of everything else, you know, that's where he wanted to be, and he got, you know, jetpacked. And he got jetpacked because of earlier conversations, and, and this is four or five years ago. This was before AAA and Impact, where he did, you know, WWE tryouts. And he formed a relationship with William Regal, and he formed a relationship with, with Triple H. And those guys loved Cross. And, you know, that was, as you saw, you know, Cross comes into NXT and he just destroys everybody and they put the belt on him in like record time. 
and that's how much, you know, Triple H, you know, likes Killer Cross. So it's hard for me to believe that the guy who's in charge isn't going to, you know, reach out. You know, we have Cross tentatively booked for the next Mecca event in October. So, you know, obviously he's doing the Nashville show today against Davey Boy Smith Jr., but Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to be on the horn with them and say, hey, what's going on? You know, are we moving forward for October? What's up? So, you know, I'm assuming next week I'll have a little more info. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all pans out as we see some changes possibly headed to WWE. Um, continuing on SummerSlam, uh, officially like it's Sunday Wonder. I just wondered if, the, if you thought there was any chance that they revert NXT 2.0 back to the black and gold. I don't know. I don't know if they're they're going to totally do it, but all I know is this. As someone who has watched wrestling for a long time, I watched NXT takeover shows and a little more a lot more NXT when Triple H was running it than what they're doing right now because you had a mix Agreed. of people there that knew what they were doing and they have a right now it's mostly rookies. That it's kind of. Huh. I think that's going to change. I think I think you're going to see an influx of indie wrestlers coming over to NXT. Yeah. I, well, I, I've heard some rumors, and I guess they just had their uh, they had their you know usual tryouts that they have. At Dwight the Howard tried out. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and I heard uh, you know there was a lot of injuries because there was a lot of unprepared people because it was more of the. Uh, football player, amateur wrestlers, guys who've never really done that. And, you know, people seem to believe that, you know, Triple H is going to go with what, what he felt was necessary, which, you know, is using the indie wrestlers who can be plugged right in immediately and, and be used properly. And with Triple H... You know, a lot of people say, hey, that could be the death knell for AEW because he's going to go more towards that wrestling thing. And now it'll be interesting to see if AEW, who made some grounds moving forward, uh, what it turns out to be. There might really be a war now. Yeah, and and we'll probably get into that later. I know Fish has to head out. But um, just continuing on Slummer Slam. Slummer Slam, yeah, real quick. <laughs> Logan Paul wrestled The Miz last night. And the internet sensation looked pretty darned good. He did, but my problem is they're forcing it so hard. I know it's in his contract to make him a face, and they're doing. And people want to boo him, and they're and WWE does not want the people to boo Logan Paul. Well, that that's going to be another thing that we're going to see. You know, Becky Lynch went turned from heel to face, so she went from bad person to good person. Last I, night, I understand what heel to face means. Well, but people out there may not. Um, they. I have a feeling that Triple H may be a little more responsive to that. So we'll see how that turns out. But Logan Paul, for having barely wrestled at all, pretty pretty solid, pretty solid uh, match last night. Joe, did you did well, you see it? Yes, yes, I actually did see it. I saw a few of the matches yesterday, and initially it seemed like they were kind of bland toward Logan Paul, but as the match progressed, they actually did get behind him, but, you know, there were points where, you know, they they seemed to be cheering the Miz, and again, it, 
when you're a guy who's been there for 15 years, despite if you're heel or face, just like what we have with some of our guys like Remy, and it's it's hard for people that are really respected. And in some cases, Logan Paul isn't respected. So there's going to be a partial fan base that no matter what you do, push them down people's throats, that people are going to care about Logan Paul. But, you know, it's kind of like McAfee. You see him and you're like, man, this guy, Bad Bunny, you know, they've been very lucky that the last few guys that they've brought in as celebrities have really embraced pro wrestling and they went out there and, and they respected the business. So it's easier to respect Logan Paul because he's gone out there and he's doing the right thing. And with a guy like The Miz, and that's what had Chiampa there, and then they had, you know, Maurice out there, the odds are stacked against him. And when he won, you know, he did get a huge pop. So, Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it is, well, this is a celebrity guy who cares. But he actually has looked good. So we'll see you what know, kind of now, future he you has. You know, if you push the, oh, AJ Styles, who's loved, trained them, and it turns out they're boys, you know, they, they're going to try to make it work. And we've seen you know, Roman Reigns got booed for five years as but, a baby face. Yeah, but if, if they push him organically, it's one thing. If they force him down our throats, I think that's going to backfire. Well, you know, as Logan Paul grows in the business and has conversations, maybe he'll understand that being a heel isn't so bad. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of wide open for this guy, but... But once again, I, I think Joe hit it on the head that he has really worked hard at this. And, you know, you don't just do a little five-star frog splash off the top rope onto a announce table and make it look really, really good if you aren't putting the time in. No, absolutely. So, I mean, he, he's he's definitely doing the right things. So, you know, hopefully he wins the respect of the fans for that. And 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 he and Joe mentioned it too. Pat McAfee's the same way. Yeah, McAfee works very hard at it. Uh, he won his match last night against Happy Corbin. Using his punting skills. Yeah. <laughs> Little uh, whammo to the huevos rancheros. Coffin corner punt. Yeah. Very nice kick. That was that, you mean that, that heel move by Pat McAfee? Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, he's allowed to do it, too. You know, Happy happy was not very nice to him. He wasn't very happy, either. You know, so, you know payback, payback's a little rough uh, sometimes. That's where the uh, the babyface Jay Vidal, No Limits champion, did that to uh, Matt Vandegrift, and then people said it was a Jay Vidal heel turn. And that's what happened when uh, Shinsuke did that. Remember back in the day to AJ, but they were battling for the title, well, and that caused the the Shinsuke heel turn. Well, and people hate Happy Corbin. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to but to his credit, and and you got to give the guy credit. Uh, he he's embraced every character he's ever had. He he works hard. He he goes out, he does what he's asked to do, and he does it to the best of his ability. Yep. And that that you can't fault him on. You know, I, I And you can't teach that. That is true. So some credit to Happy Corbin last night. Uh Lashley beat Theory, no surprise there. Since Theory won the money in the bank briefcase, he has not won a match. Unbelievable. Oh, he he never will until he actually cashes in and even then. You know, who knows if he's going to win, but it's like, man, they're doing him no favors making him. The, he's going to be the face of the company, boy, winning 2025. Yeah, this is, <laughs> I do not like where this is going. Uh, Mysterio's beat Judgment Day last night. 
And Edge shows up uh, basically appearing to now be Satan. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. He's a little little demonic. Nice spear. Yeah. Look good. You know, but the, the can't, judgment. Can't believe Dominic didn't turn heel. What's up? It's going to happen. Just wait for it. Oh, man. Any minute. <laughs> Poor Andrew Fishfane. By the way, this is Mark Hoke on the Mark Hoke Show here on KDWN 101.5 FM 720 AM. Long Andrew Fishfane and Joe DeFalco from Future Stars of Wrestling. Yeah, yeah they're really going on the long play for Dominic. The long play. It's a long, long play for Fish. It could be a super long play. but it, I got time. Judgment Day dead. I mean, what what's the deal with these guys? Do you think that this this has just been badly played, guys? It has, but I think that Triple H can revive it. He just has to handle it the right way. I think he has to expand the group and give them a purpose. When they had Edge, well, they had a purpose. Now they have no purpose. Right? They have no they have no leader. Finn Balor has been portrayed as 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 a as pretty much a bum for the last three years. Like, why are we supposed to take him serious? Like he has been castrated, you know, from what he's been, you know, Finn Balor has no juice whatsoever. And Damian Priest hasn't really done anything since they gave him that initial push that they really was like, you know, I was like, wow, they're really pushing this guy hard. I'm surprised. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, the thing with Edge I thought was going to be perfect for him and, and, and Ripley to, you know, get to that next level they had Chiampo like people had said was going to happen and it was like you know this is you know this is a great opportunity for the younger people to be involved with a guy like Edge who's a hall of famer yeah Rhea Ripley's looking more like a leader in that group than the other two so I don't know I I think this this may have unfortunately run its short course uh Usos get the win last night Knocking off Yon Street profits. Uh, that uh, that was the the result that disappointed me the most. I think I would like to have seen the Street Profits get that win. Yeah, the, yeah, it was it was pretty pointless to have that next match that nothing happened. And 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 that, honestly, that is the uh, the match at Money in the Bank was a lot better than this one. Not that this was a bad match or anything, but the the Money in the Bank match was. You know, significantly more up to standard than than this one, but you know, you know no, that's when I was talking about in the past about like changing things on the fly. Like if the Street Profits would have won the titles at that show, that would have been huge, and it almost became like an afterthought having this match, and then they lose anyway. Yeah, so it was like what was even the whole purpose? And right. then and then we were waiting for the split that never happened. Right. Yeah. So that took care of that. Um, we're running a little low on time here. Um, Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey goes bad. She pulled a Ken Shamrock and went crazy at the end of this one. So it, it was bound to. Ha- it it kind of had to happen. Although I was shocked that we didn't see Charlotte. Joe, what were your thoughts about finally getting Ronda Rousey going bad? Yeah, you know, in my head, I was like, okay, Rousey's not going to win. How are they going to position that? And then it was like, oh, you know, Charlotte's probably going to get involved, which would mean we got to have Charlotte and Rousey again anyway. So at least they've done something different with that. And, you know, from what I saw and what people seem to say that, you know, they didn't really take to her turning heel like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. Yep. All right, guys, we got to head to break here. Fish, uh, we will wish you the best today. 
Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Have a fun afternoon. Woohoo. All right. <laughs> uh, and by the way, don't forget, uh, we would certainly appreciate you giving us follows on Twitter. Uh, Fish is at the Fish 1969, FSW Vegas for Joe. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show, Facebook, the Mark Hoke Show, podcasts at markhokeshow.podbean.com. So check all that out. And by the way, we got a new sponsor. We'll hear about that when we come back. And then we're going to talk about this main event. Farm equipment, baby. Yeah. Nothing like it. Stick around. We'll be right back on the Mark Hoke Show here on KDWN. 101.5 101.5 FM, 720 AM. Hi, this is Mark Hoke. Has out-of-control inflation, gas prices, and grocery costs wrecked your wallet? Then check into automated day trading with Trading Made Easy. Trading Made Easy has spent five years helping people put cash in their pockets with their simple-to-use day trading software. So if you're ready to leave that 9-to-5 job behind, visit TradingMadEasy.com or call 800 971 4160 to sign up for a free live training seminar right now. That's tradingmadeasy.com. Want more of the Mark Hoke Show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show, like us on Facebook at the Mark Hoke Show, and visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at the Mark Hoke Show and download our podcasts at MarkHokeShow.podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join the Mark Hoke Show family today and thanks for listening. 1015 FM, 720 AM. K the talk of Las Vegas. This is the Mark Hoke Show. The Mark Hoke Show. Here again, your host, Mark Hoke. All right, and we are back on the Mark Hoke Show. We're here on KDWN 101.5 FM, 720 AM is the best in pro wrestling news and entertainment. I've got Joe DeFalco riding with me. And hey, everybody, we all know times are tough right now, right? Inflation is out of control. Gas prices are through the roof. Your grocery costs are just absolutely blowing your wallet up. So why don't you do something about it? You want to get some money in your pocket? Here's a chance to check out automated day trading with Trading Made Easy. It is super simple. They have spent five years helping people put cash in their pockets with their simple-to-use day trading software. They've got people all over the world using this. It's time to give up that 9-to-5 job. Put some extra money in your pocket. You know, if you want to do it part-time, full-time, doesn't matter. But you're probably going to want to do it full-time because you're going to be making some good money. So you have a chance right now. You can go to TradingMadEasy.com. It's so simple. They drop that. You don't even need the the extra E in there. TradingMadEasy.com or call 800-971-4160. You can sign up for a free live trading session. See what it's all about. Get in there, guys. They're local right here in Las Vegas. And you promise you it's going to be the best call you ever made. TradingMadeEasy.com or TradingMadeEasy.com. Check them out at TradingMadeEasy.com. All right, Joe. We get, yes. to, the, we get to the main event. And Brock Lesnar rolls out a tractor with a front-end loader on it. And all hell breaks loose in this match. The ring gets lifted off the ground. There's debris everywhere. Of course, last man standing match, no rules. Austin Theory gets beat up. The Usos get beat up. Paul Heyman gets beat up. Everybody's dead. 
Roman Reigns finally gets the win after they bury Brock Lesnar under a ton of junk. Uh, overall, I thought a pretty good match. I think some unique entertainment. Can't say I've ever seen a, a tractor used in a match before. No, that was a cool spot. Yeah. You know, and lifting the ring up. I mean, if you go back and you watch it and you see some of the pictures, you know, the the one corner of the ring is literally lifted off the ground. Oh, watching Reigns, it was like he fell off a cliff. It was the crowd went crazy for it. So I, I guess that means it worked. I was going back and forth with my kid because he was at his buddy's house watching the show. And it was like the first thing I wrote was like, this is the longest Brock Lesnar match I think I've ever seen. That That is true. They They gave him plenty of time out there. And I thought it was, you know, I, I wish that the other Lesnar Reigns matches recently would have been as good as this one. Because now, to be very honest with you, I, I wouldn't mind seeing them go at it again down the road. I wasn't excited about this match, but, you know, this was very unique, uh, hard-hitting. You know, I, I thought it was a very enjoyable match. Uh, you know, Austin Theory tried to cash in the money in the bank and got clobbered he, you know, he, with everybody down. It didn't work out, but he didn't make the cash in. So he still has the money in the bank briefcase. You know, Heyman did a couple of great spots in there and took a nasty bump on the announce table. Uh, I, I really thought this was one of the better main events they've had on a WWE premium live event for quite a while. Well, you know, it also goes to where, I got home. I, I left to go out for a while, and I came back, and it was like 7.08. And I'm like, oh, let me check and see if that match is still – or 8.08. And I'm thinking, okay, it's three hours plus. You know, there's a good chance it might be over. And then I remember looking at the uh, clock on the computer, and they were still going, and it was like 8.32. And it was like, I don't know when the match started, but I'm like, wow, they're like 25 minutes in, and they probably went another five. But like – that match was a minimum of 30 minutes, and it's hard to get a classic main event match when Brock Lesnar is involved because usually it's extremely fast-paced, and even when you know him and Drew and they did the title change, it was five or six minutes. So it's just like big bang boom, I get it, it's the UFC style, you know, two big heavyweights, you know, you can win at any time. But there's a lot more anticipation and excitement and you know, Reigns getting up at nine. It looked like it was over five different times. And, I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was waiting for one more comeback from Brock Lesnar. It's like, you know, he got up the third time. He got up the fourth time. And that was excitement. It was anticipation. It was like, you know, it's hard to build that in a five-minute match. And, you know, what I'm what I'm really curious about is, obviously, you know, you, you have that st- that whole thing planned ahead of time. You're not just going to say the night before, Hey, we need to roll a tractor into the, into the Nissan stadium. But you know, how much of that was triple H and how much of that was Vince putting that match together, you know, with the, with the production team, I, I'd be curious to find out. Uh, it, it's hard to believe that they didn't have a plan in place five days before the show. You know what I mean? It is, you know, you have a long time to build a Brock Lesnar match. You know, it's like, you know, this is his only match for three months. So I'm pretty sure the ideas about the tractor came in. It's hard for me to, you know, having a tractor at ringside, you know, smells Vince all over the place. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, again, anytime somebody sees something 
in WWE that seems a little different and looks pretty cool. It's like, oh, we got to start Triple H's influence. And then if we see something that's kind of crappy and it's just like, oh, you're like, ah, you know, they must have left that one in for Vince. And it's probably a little bit of both, but it's probably, you know, from what I've read, same thing with Triple H, that NXT is going to be adjusted a little bit more to his style. But from what I read, you know, the main roster is going to be pretty similarly run other than I think Triple H is just the type of person where he is going to be open to people he trusts to where, you know, he's going to be willing to make sacrifices while Vince wants what Vince wanted. And regardless, unless it was a Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns, you know, a lot of these things you know, get changed and sometimes not for the better. Yeah, I ha- you just have a feeling at this point that the performers are going to have more input and more freedom. And right down to the announcers, if you listen to Michael Cole last night, you know, I, I kind of had a feeling that he was going to get turned loose because if you don't know, Vince was always in his ear and always telling him all these things that he had to say. And it was so, his announcing was so canned. You could just tell when Vince told him to say something and when he could actually speak, but then it was limited what he could do. And last night he got turned loose. I mean, he's swearing and going crazy and and just really getting into everything like I haven't ever heard him do. And, you know, I was I was very pleased with that. I was happy for Michael. I'm sure he really enjoyed that last night. Well, you know, the thing is, you see it in baseball, you see it in football, and they always say, you know, some of the best the best managers get fired all the time. You know, now look, look at Buck Showalter. Now he's back with the Mets all of a sudden. And now the Mets are doing really well. But it, it seems like you need to hear a different voice. So a really good manager gets fired because it seems like people aren't listening to the voice. And Vince McMahon was the voice. And, you know, there's a lot of frustration when you go in there And, you know, take Cross, for example. Like, this guy's had success everywhere he went. And they're like, hey, we got this great idea. And you're going to wear this stupid mask. And everything that got you over in NXT with your girl, we're going to take her out of it. And, you know, of course you're going to do your best to, to try to make things happen. But look at all the guys recently. What, what had happened with Keith Lee? Same thing. Hey, you're going to be Bearcat. And, you know, with Triple H, people see that fresh face. And whether it's right or whether it's wrong, they're going to believe that they have an opportunity that's going to be different to when they felt they weren't able to get that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, whenever you change whoever's in charge, there's always going to be, you know, some flux and, I, you know, I've experienced that in business that when I've taken when I took over businesses that, you know, I changed some things and did some things differently. And some people liked it and some people didn't. We'll we'll see how this turns out. But, you know, one thing that I think I think could happen here is we're going to see more continuity between NXT and uh, the main rosters that that I would expect, because I can't imagine that Triple H is going to be having people down on NXT and having been there and run it. That he's going to understand, hey, this is what gets everybody over. We got him over in NXT doing this. Let's keep doing it. Keep the continuity of the characters flowing. 
as opposed to putting on the brakes and doing something totally different with everybody when they show up. You know, it just, that just made no sense to me. Well, it doesn't make any sense, but it, it, it's been tried and true for years. Like, how many times that people were hot acts when it was OBW? And I remember it was like a big deal when uh, Eminem came in and uh, Deuce and Domino. They were like one of the few that they actually took the OVW gimmicks and didn't just rehash everything. And it was like, you know, it worked better with Eminem, obviously, but, you know, that was a hot group when they came in from OVW and they let them be who they were and they had a lot of success. But for some reason from developmental, whether it's the different writers or Vince or whatever it was, they always felt the need to, as they say, create their own stars. You know, when in developmental, somebody else created them. Now it's now it's up to the main roster to make them, you know, applicable to you know the F the the WWE fan compared to the smaller version of the developmental fans that they have. So you know, hopefully Triple H, since he's involved with everything now, he's going to see somebody who's like, okay, we see Solo Sokoa. Maybe we're not going to put him in the bloodline with his relatives and let him do his own thing because he showed he's had some success, you know, in NXT and let him run with it. And then if it doesn't work out, then, okay, well, hey, if we put him in with the Usos and Roman Reigns, maybe he gets over that way. But give him the opportunity. Right. And and I think you know, we mentioned this a little earlier in the show that now the conflict with AEW, I think, is going to get very interesting because, uh, you know, you wonder how many people would have stayed with WWE if Vin- if Triple H had been there as opposed to when Vince being there, you know, having the different relationships and differences in creative and so on. This is going to get interesting trying to pull talent you know, between the two companies because of Vince being gone. And certainly, I'm sure Triple H right now is sitting there watching Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland as being the tag team champions. And some of these other guys, you know, obviously Mox is a champ. Uh, Brian Danielson's not there anymore. And he's got to be thinking, oh, my God, I, you know, I developed some of these guys. I worked with a lot of these guys. They're not here anymore. They should be. And I'm going to fight to get either get them back or I'm going to make sure that our developmental talent doesn't leave anymore. And this is going to make things very entertaining as we go forward when someone's contract's up. This isn't going to be a, oh, well, you know, I'll get more freedom in AEW, so I'm just going to go to AEW. Now I think it's just going to be a plain old bidding war, at least for now. But, you know, we could be wrong. I mean, Triple H could fall into a formula that doesn't work either. But right now I, I think performers should be very optimistic about how their paychecks are going to look if they well, have a choice to go between AEW and WWE. In some cases, I don't think it has anything to do with money. Did William Regal sign a one-year contract? Well, that he's now four or five months in. In seven months, him and Triple H, you know, they were, they were you know, Siamese twins, basically, you know, joined at the hip. I don't think William Regal is going to be like, well, you know, I need an extra 500000 to come over. I think if he's available and Triple H wants him, he's going to go there because the loyalty's there. If it wasn't for Triple H, he may not have been in the business for the last 15 years. And 
You know, it's guys like Road Dog who who go online and saying, "Hey, I'm begging Tony Khan for a job. I see what they're doing, and I really think I could help their TV." Does he backtrack now that Triple H is back in in charge and say, "You know what? I'm going to go back and work with my boy." You know, I I I, I went back because of him. And I was part of the SmackDown writing team, but I just couldn't take it anymore. Now, all of a sudden, he's going to have more free reign with Triple H. Does he say, hey, you know what, I'm going to go back? It's curious to see the guys who don't have full-time contracts that were perceived. You know, you can't do much. Keith Lee was perceived as a Triple H guy, but he signed whatever, a two- or three-year deal. He ain't going anywhere. It's all those guys that are in limbo who may have signed a one-year contract to, you know, where are they going to go? You know, I can't worry about a Brian Danielson going anywhere because he probably signed for three or four years. CM Punk ain't going anywhere. But what about all those other guys that, you know, have been kind of roaming around and and taking part-time gigs and things like that? Like, we see the wrestling business. It's all based, and not partly, it's all based on who you know, who you're friends with, and, and that's how you get jobs. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun to see how everything moves forward in the next you know, six to six to twelve months or so. We'll we'll keep our eyes peeled, of course, here on the Mark Hoke Show on KDWN one oh one five FM seven twenty AM. I'm Mark Hoke along with Joe DeFalco of Future Stars of Wrestling. And, of course, make sure you check out what Joe's got going on at FSW. Go to FSWVegas.com. Some great cards coming up. We've got training if you want to become a wrestler. All sorts of neat stuff happening down there. Right. You could be the next uh, number one contender to the women's title like Zoe Stark is. Who, you know, I'm thinking she's going to become the uh, NXT Women's Champion on August 16th. There you go. That'd be all right. And then you... Yeah, I, I, you know, and then you got Solo Sokoa. You know, the rumors are running rampant that uh, he will be making his Raw debut uh, sooner than later. So keep your fingers crossed. There you go. Um, some interesting things did happen in AEW this week too, and uh, you know, one, uh, you know, John Moxley had a great match with Roosh. Uh, of course, Roosh was the uh, Ring of Honor world champion and more well-known for a lot of his work he did in Mexico was, uh, too. Those two had a terrific match, and then Chris Jericho came out and challenged Moxley, and they're going to fight again in two weeks. Joe, do you think that there's any chance that they might make a switch and the way things have been going with the Jericho Appreciation Society that Chris Jericho might end up winning the AEW Interim World Championship? I wouldn't. You know, I, I don't think putting the belt back on Jericho is going to do anything. It's like Jericho doesn't need the belt. Jericho is a guy that is going to universally be over. And his job is to get the other people he's involved with over. Now, for some reason, you know, it ain't working for Jake Hager, but you know, the other guys, the younger guys, they're getting recognition, they're getting on there. And I think that's where Chris Jericho's, you know, where his his skill set lies in, in helping other people, whether he's with them in the group and they're kind of his lackeys, or it's a guy like Eddie Kingston who is, you know, 
a guy that he's going to wrestle and he's going to feud with, and it's going to elevate, you know, them. I think down the line, do you want to see CM Punk against Chris Jericho, or do you want to see him against, other than MJF, John Moxley? You know, and those are the two big stars that well, the, you're going with now. Moxley's still, you know, in in the prime. You know, that's the main event match you would think you you, you want to set up. When you have the interim title, usually the guy who wins the interim title ends up facing the guy who is considered the champion when the time is right. So, you know. Well, the only reason that I bring that up is – Punk is still not close to coming back. He's eh, didn't sound real good when he did uh, that interview at Comic Con. But would a bridge from Moxley to Jericho, then to Eddie Kingston, and then you set up Eddie Kingston against CM Punk, who Punk's been dropping his name for a year now, would that be something that could work if, uh, you know, putting Eddie Kingston over as the interim champ? And then having those two, uh, having him and Punk face off? You know, it, it could, but Eddie Kingston always seems to be the guy that comes up just a little short in these situations. You know, we talked about it last year. It was like, here was a guy that, you know, when you talk about organic, you know, organically, all of a sudden, you know, Eddie Kingston became this guy that, you know, the working class man, he's been doing it for so long. He hasn't gotten the breaks that, you know, maybe could have taken him to the top. Sometimes it was his fault. Sometimes, you know, it was other situations. And sure, but does that mean we have to have another, you know, Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho kind of ran their route. Are they going to do it again? Yeah, and that and the reason I just mentioned that too is because the the barbed wire match that they had, you know, was well, shall we say there was a Jericho one, but we'll call it inconclusive. Um, so I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe pulled that string again. But it, you know, you mentioned Jericho putting it over other talent as well. Uh, you know, we had two guys really young guys step up on AEW on Dynamite this week. Ricky Starks had an amazing promo. He lost the, lost the FTW title and then Hobbs turned on him, but did a, an amazing promo. And then Daniel Garcia in the Jericho Appreciation Society gets the win on Brian Danielson. Two guys that AEW has been grooming for a while that are, are they finally coming into their own here? Uh, I'll be honest. I thought it was kind of odd that they had Danielson lose you know, in that situation. So, you know, I've been seeing some comparisons. Oh, that would never happen in WWE. I can't believe it. You know, well, again, everything's based on the bigger picture. So Danielson loses, but where does that take them? You know, I saw Shelton Benjamin, I believe, beat like Shawn Michaels on Monday Night Raw, and in the big picture it didn't mean anything. So... You know, it, it's what happens after the fact. You know, Ricky Starks, you know, how many times is Taz's people going to turn on the other guy? You know, I'm, I'm not sure that was a necessary move, but I may not be the biggest fan of Hook, so maybe that's why. And, of course, Hook ended up winning that FTW title, so the title hey, that his, his father created 
is now in the son's hands, and uh, the handsome devil is now getting a chance to run around with a belt. That uh, should be something to see, to say the least there, too. So, yeah, and and one thing I wanted to ask you about, too, Joe, uh, you know, since you do booking, you know, Brian Danielson played up the concussion issue in that match. Of course, Brian's had a lot of trouble with concussions and neck issues, and during the match he was running and then dropped to his hands and knees, and as he went through the match was feigning that he was having issues with, you know, with his head. And I don't know how I really felt about that because I think it's one thing to pretend that, you know, your knee is messed up or something like that. But given the seriousness of concussions and how it's really, um, you know, you have uh, CTE issues and so on with football players. You've had, you know, of course, and then you think of Chris Benoit. I don't know if that is necessarily the right way to go because, you know, if you're if you're playing that out, then you're saying, well, the doctors let him in there too early. Obviously, he was okay. He wouldn't have gotten cleared, but I don't know. It, it seemed to me that that just wasn't – well, it seemed clever on the surface. I don't know if that's the right thing to do to fake a head injury like that. Well, you know, in wrestling, that that's how it is. You know, I remember Scott Hall walking to the ring, and he was portraying a drunk individual, yet we had known about so many of his issues because of alcohol. But they thought if it played into a storyline and it would work, then let's do it. You know, hey, Edge, you know, really did cheat on his best friend uh, with, his, with his best friend's girlfriend. Hey, let's make it a storyline. You know, wrestling is always doing that. And, you know, if they can use that as a, a starting point for something, I guess, you know, you got to wait and see. Yep. You know, let's, right. let's see how it plays out. All righty. Well, guys, thank you very much for listening. We do appreciate it. Joe and, of course, Andrew Fish Fane. I'm Mark Hoke. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show, Facebook, The Mark Hoke Show, markhokeshow.podbean.com, and all your favorite podcast outlets to check out those podcasts. We appreciate you listening all over the world. Las Vegas, have a great Sunday, and we will see you next weekend on The Mark Hoke Show. Want more of The Mark Hoke Show? Follow us on Twitter at Mark Hoke Show. Like us on Facebook at The Mark Hoke Show. And visit MarkHokeShow.com to keep up with everything happening with the show. And remember to check out all of our archive shows on YouTube at The Mark Hoke Show. And download our podcasts at MarkHokeShow.Podbean.com and all your favorite podcast outlets. So join The Mark Hoke Show family today, and thanks for listening.